we've got some different things to talk about today, but we've got to establish this far beyond anything else, and that is it's God's will to heal you. You just get it in your thoughts that I'm not talking to your husband or your wife or your kid or your grandma if she's here or whatever. God's will is to heal you. Brother Hagen, who, you know, taught healing for 70 years practically, and he said it many times, I'm just quoting him, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, I haven't had a headache since 1933. I mean, who could say that? Who could say they hadn't had a headache in 10 years even? You know, praise God. Some of you might walk in that, but, uh, you know, I doubt it, including me sometimes. But I'm working on myself to get over more in health. And I have amen. There's healing, there's health, and then there's divine life. Beyond that, where you just walk so full of God and so full of the life of God that when anything comes at you, and things are going to come at you, the devil's going to see to it. Because that's his, that's his job description. Sickness, disease, poverty, and, and everything that's in the line with the negative, depression, confusion, disappointment, stuff like that, and get you over in something. And, of course, Pastor mentioned a little bit about resentment. There's always resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. You know, Jesus said this in every meeting I've been in for the last two or three years. I bring this out even if I'm not teaching on healing. I say if you're not going to forgive everybody, you're going to be delivered to the tormentors. And nothing I pray is going to get that fixed. And nothing's going to help you, how many books you read, how many tapes you listen to, or CDs that you accumulate on the healing. Until you forgive somebody, you're probably not going to be healed. Because that's a barrier between you and God's healing power. When you resent people, or God forbid you hate somebody. I didn't say you weren't justified sometimes in feeling that way, but just I'm telling you, if you're going to feel that way, you can sit in here and listen to me, but it won't do you any good. Because you're going to be delivered to the tormentors. Jesus said it. I'm just quoting it. That's in Matthew 18, you know. And I read that one day, and I realized it's in the red. Jesus was talking. Even if it was in the black, I'd take it as the Bible. But nonetheless, he said, you're going to be delivered to the tormentors. So I don't want to be delivered to the tormentors. Anybody with common sense and half a brain wouldn't want to be delivered to torment living a life of torment. So what I'm saying is you, these are things I'll get into more deeply maybe as we go, but we just want to establish in your thinking today it's God's will to heal you. And, and God's will is always, you know, God's will is to heal you. Now, you may not get healed because of the things I'm mentioning even though it's God's will to heal you. And whether you could accept that and get your mind renewed, it's God's will to heal me. See? And, and he wants me well. God wants me well. And, you know, Brother Hagen always said, you know, after 69 years, I think he taught it, taught on healing, and he said the number one obstacle for people to receive, to, to not receive their healing is they never know, not that we haven't taught it, we've taught it here, same thing I'm going to teach you today, but... You've got to know that it's God's will to heal you. You know, I love people, and I, I'm concerned for all of you as a pastor would be. 
just you as a prophet and traveling. I got sons and daughters all over the planet now and different things that I'm called to do. But, you know, if if anybody's going to be healed, I, I, I'm hoping it'd be me. But I'm not only hoping, I'm believing now because I know it's God's will to heal me. Unless I put an obstacle in his way to keep him from being able to do that. You know, let me tell you what we talk about God's will. You know, it's God's will that everybody be saved. God's not willing, 2 Peter 3 and 9, that any perish, but all would come to deliverance. All would come into salvation. But you know everybody's not that way. Some people are just determined to go to hell. Determined. I mean, and I've tried to prevail on them before and, and give lengthy invitations and talk to people and to no avail. You know, they just determined they're going to have it their way, and their way was darkness, and their way was sin, and their way was destruction. Yeah. That wasn't God's will for that, to be that way, but the people, you and I make those decisions from our own will. We have a will that's uh, operable. In other words, it operates through us, our will, our willingness. Come to church today. You had the will to get up and get cleaned up and come. You know, and me too, and so forth and so on. So, just thinking of uh, things that I've known that have happened sometimes, and I've tried to, uh, short of begging somebody, and even sometimes I've, I beg people not to do what they were thinking they were going to do. Yeah, and they just went right on. Like it didn't mean anything what I said. I wasn't thinking for myself. I'm mean, thinking about this lady right now. She's not my wife, but she was a daughter to me, and at one time a very good daughter, spiritual daughter. She's just determined to tear her life up and tear her family up and destroy a marriage and destroy, you know, things like that. And just lose all integrity. Yeah. I was involved for three years trying to help her get it on course, uh, me and her husband, and, you know, she just wouldn't have it. I literally broke down and wept before her twice and said, do this to your family. I mean, if you don't have any regard for them, I understand, and you're wrong for not having regard for your own kids and your husband, but how would you do this with Jesus? You you belong to Jesus. You're going to tear things up, and you're going to, if you keep pressing it, you're going to get to a place where it just won't be salvageable. Not in the setting you're in right now. went ahead and pursued the wrong living. All right, we're talking about the will of God now. So I'm over here in Exodus. Before I read that, I want to read you something here that's in, this was in part of Brother Hagin's book on uh, divine healing. He says, uh, we don't have to leave early and we don't have to die of sickness and disease. I'm just making some general statements here. You don't have to go early, and you don't have to die of sickness and disease. Uh, I've known a lot of people that have went early, uh, and they went with sickness and disease, but that wasn't God's will either. And if we learn things, if we learn from the Bible, we can learn how to live and not die. Now, eventually, your body will, if you fulfilled everything God's given you to, to fulfill, and I'm going to push this in here real quick here, that you have uh, scriptures to say you could live a full life and until you're satisfied. Hallelujah. And then you could die.
Bible way, like laying down and just saying, well, I'm done, I've finished everything I'm supposed to do, goodbye. You know, maybe you could even take it a notch up and get all your family together and prophesy over them, lay hands on them, whatever, and then say goodnight and just give up the ghost. But that should be something you would control, not not God and certainly not the devil. See, because this is the issue. If the devil pushes you out of your body, you got to leave. You might go to heaven early, and that's good that you went to heaven. Not good that you went early, but because maybe we could have used you. Maybe God could have used you even more the longer you stayed. And I don't know if you ever thought about this. You don't think I thought about it before. God puts, takes a long time to put stuff in ministers so they know how to live and they know how to function. And they, if they've listened to him well, we, we learn how to put some things beside us and away from us learn how to crucify our flesh and just learn that we're going to have issues when we have people. That you're not going to ever get away from that because some people just want to be carnal. But I don't have to go to bed crying about it. I don't have to go to bed upset about it. I mean, I'm doing my part to try to teach you how to live a godly life, a free life, a life full of life and power and how to have your needs met and how to be healed and how to be well and how to talk right and how to think right and how to believe right. You know, you get all that here. And a bag of chips. Yeah. So it isn't like we're not teaching you. But there are things. And sometimes people let all the problems of everybody get in them, and then they're a problem. The preacher's a problem. Or they begin to question, well, I taught them, and they didn't get it, and so we, they went ahead and died, and I buried them. So I guess this stuff doesn't work. Well, if you're going to be like that, it's never going to work. The devil's playing with your head even through somebody else's event. I'm not responsible to believe for anybody. I'm responsible to believe for you to get what I'm teaching and to do my best to minister to you through laying on my hands or word of knowledge, gifts of healings, working a miracle sometimes and things like that. That's my part. But whether you receive it or not, that's on your side. All right. Many times people expect to be healed when hands are laid upon them, so they receive healing, but they don't realize that they must do something in order to keep their healing. You must feed on the Word of God themselves if they want their healing to last. Someone may receive healing through the faith of another, or by the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, or by the corporate faith of a group of believers, like if we because we've taught on healing a lot in this church, the faith level in the church should be high for being healed. And you should be active, uh, actively believing with me, even if you're not up here, because you are already healed, and you're walking in your healing, and you're walking in health. You should actively be believing with me for these people that come when we give an invitation to get healed. Just because you're not, that prayer line wasn't just for you, it's still for your brothers and sisters, and there should be an activation in your heart to want to see other people get their healing. Hallelujah. Now, he brings a good point here. Sometimes you can get healed through the faith of another. I know I've laid hands on people, and especially new people, especially people that are not very knowledgeable of the Word when they first come, and we start talking about these things, and people have to be taught. People need to learn something. So sometimes God will he'll continue to use me to teach them so they can learn but in the interim, sometimes he'll use me to go ahead and pray for people, and they get their healing. And it almost seems like, man, how did 
may get that. You know, well, God's merciful, but He expects you to grow up and be responsible. You understand what I'm saying? You know, the longer you grow, the harder it is for me always to get you healed. If you realize that or not, just a little thought. Now, we might circumvent something in, a, in a, uh, a spectacular way or something like that could kick in. But, see, most time it probably won't. For people that have been with me 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 years, you should have been learning from me all this time and reading your Bible and studying it out and making the corrections so that you ought to, you ought to come to a place, whether I let you do it or not, it's not the issue, because I'm, I'm the lead person. And, you know, I have 40 years' experience in ministering to the sick almost, at least 35. But anyway, I'm probably not going to call you up to minister to the sick at random, but you should be able to pray for the sick. If you're in a setting out in the community that something comes up, you should be able to lay your hands on somebody and pray over them because you watch me. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is, in the nice, best way I can, don't be a moocher your whole life. Don't be a taker. Be a taker from me when I'm here to minister to you because I'm freely trying to give you what I have by way of healing or deliverance or whatever. And I'm not ashamed to do that, and, and I'm very grateful to be able to have something in me that's worthwhile receiving. But at the same time, you should be growing in that too to where you're getting up to a place where you could be used. And maybe putting yourself in a position to be used. You know, sometimes I have calls that come in here. Donna can tell you they call our church because they knew at one point we had somebody that went to a nursing home or a uh, juvenile place or or some kind of thing like that, and they want somebody to come teach them the Bible. And occasionally I don't have anybody. So I can't send somebody if I don't have them. Hallelujah. And then others, you know, some our uh, cancer people, they used to go to the cancer center. That's been shut down temporarily right now, and that's fine. But they went for four or five years, and they went in teams of two, a husband and wife, and we sent them down there, and they were fruitful in some areas, of course. Of course, you can't make other people receive, and you're dealing with people from every kind of denomination you can imagine, and they all think different. See, like Brother Hagin said, most people don't even get it that it's God's will to heal them because they're thinking about what they did wrong yesterday or something and they didn't confess it to get it out of the way. You just ought to stay current with God all the time. If you know you're wrong, repent and straighten it out. Why drag all that stuff with you? And then it, 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 it takes away from your ability to be a good receiver. Are you listening? will not be able to keep his healing unless he builds the faith of his own. See, you have to build your own faith. You've heard me say this. I don't know how many years I've been saying this, at least 20, maybe 30. I think about my faith every day. I judge myself every day, not to condemn myself, but to make sure that I'm in faith about what I'm saying I'm in faith about and make sure that my heart is right with God. And if it's not, I correct it right then. He deals with me about something, I correct that right then. I don't wait till I get home. I don't wait till I get to some meeting. I 
forgive me. I confess that as sin, and I ask you to cleanse me of that. And I do my best to stay current. You know what I mean? On time, currently, so that I don't have anything building up in me that shouldn't be building up. You know, it's not easy being who I am sometimes because I take a lot of persecution for things that I teach. And people sometimes put stuff on Facebook. I don't re- I don't look at Facebook, but I've heard what they say about me sometimes. It's not very edifying. Of course, it's not any current membership where I would call you and ask you, what are you doing? I'm just talking. And because you're a, a prophet and you kind of more, sometimes a little more, not, not meaning to be dramatic, but just the average person, I'm just out there sometimes in people's thinking, when really I'm not out there at all. I just think I'm dysfunctioning like I'm supposed to be. But anyway, you know, you get criticized. You teach on deliverance and demons. Oh, my God, I can't believe you teach that. Yeah, I sure do. Because that's a big part of what's going on in our society. All you have to do is pay attention. They sent me a thing uh, last night from one of the local hospital things in our city, in metro area telling about all the different ways that they minister healing. Some of us just occultic, demonic, listed right along with, uh, well, they listed it as spiritual care, and I'm not even sure what they mean by that. You know, I had somebody that put in a good word for me to go maybe sit on a panel with some doctors, you know, physicians and surgeons, and, you know, at one of the hospitals, but when they called me, they weren't going to give me any voice there. And the lady said, well, will you be sitting with a Presbyterian, maybe a, a Universalist, and, and maybe all kinds of people aren't even Christians. Some of them. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. They listed. And they said, and then when the head person gets done giving his speech, we may defer for a question. You may have a minute and a half to respond. I said, well, I'm not interested in wasting my time. I appreciate you calling me. I really do. But I'm not, that's not my idea of being involved at all. I'm going to sit over there for two hours for you to give me a minute or two minutes or three to try to unravel a major thing about healing. And I'm believing to get in the hospitals eventually when some of them wake up and really want somebody that knows something about divine healing to come and minister that. I'd be honored to do that for them if I could work it in my schedule or send Sean or send somebody else in here that I think knows something about it. And they had everything in the world. Listen, Japanese stuff, occultic stuff, Hindu stuff, uh, every kind of a thing you can imagine. None of it mentioned divine healing. There was a list of about ten things. I got it in my office there. I don't need it. Nobody needs to go get it. But we're talking to you about divine healing. We're not against medicine and medication. Believe me, I'm not. If you need medicine, go get it. If you need a doctor, go find one. But at least have enough common sense to pray before you go and ask God where he wants you to go. And then if they give you medicine, pray over it if you're going to take it or just don't get it filled if you don't think you should take it because some of the symptoms from taking the drug is worse than the situation. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just talking. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Exodus 15 here, verse 26. And it says, Moses said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and uh, 
hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight. Notice this before I go any further. You need to listen to the voice of God and then do that which is right in his sight. In other words, there's something about hearing from heaven about what you hear from God speak to you about helping you get into a position to be healed. So I would say, you know, it's imperative that we read the Word because the Word is God's voice speaking, but also we hear the voice of God through the Spirit who speaks to us. And He speaks down in our spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, speaks down on the inside of us, not to our head, but down here. And especially if we're in tune with God and, you know, we've been Spirit-filled and and stuff like that, and we speak in other tongues regularly, and we're building up our spirit man, which is what part of what spirit speaking in tongues does, then we're attuned to God to hear him speak to us about something or another. You need to pay attention to the voice of God speaking to you. Hallelujah. And then it says, and we'll do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments, that's what you're doing now. I'm ministering the word to you, and you're giving ear to it. And keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now let's stop for just a minute. Let me unravel this scripture. It's unfortunate that some of the translators in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, or Aramaic and Hebrew language, didn't translate things properly. If you find uh, in... uh, Robert Young, who is the author of Young's Analytical Concordance, which many of us have, it's about that thick, you know, he was a very capable Hebrew and Greek scholar. And he has a little book, I don't have it personally, but I've listened to somebody that talked about his book. It's called uh, Hints to Bible Interpretation. And what he brings out is in these passages where it says, where it looks like in the English it says, I will put none of these, that's like God's putting if you took it at face value, you'd say God's laying it on the sicknesses. But that's not what the Bible really says in the Hebrew, the original language here. It would be better translated, I will not allow these diseases on you, that which I have allowed to come upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. It's in a different verb tense altogether than what it indicates in your English Bible. I'm not trying to change your Bible. They changed it here, and I'm straightening you out if you listen to or if you don't like it, you can just go on believing that God's a sick maker. But he don't have any sickness. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. Why would it, Why would I even want to go there if there was sickness? In and where's he going to get it? The devil, let me say, the devil is self-employed. He doesn't work for God. And we'll, we'll talk about Job and Paul's thorn. I just don't have five hours today to give you. Call it. I'm teaching a night in a Bible school for two hours on another subject, but I'm talking about healing now. So we could read it and should read it this way. I will allow none of these diseases upon you, which I've brought upon the Egyptians, or I've, instead of brought, I've allowed to come upon them. Now, let me ask you this. Why did he allow it? Because they were rebellious. I don't know if you realize this or not. God wanted the Egyptians to repent over their idol worship and get in covenant with with Moses and all of them become his people. You know, God doesn't have, he don't have no racial problems, he don't have no nationality problems. You know, 
wonder when we get there, there's a scripture said you'll see him as he is. I wonder if everybody's going to see him in their own native thing. That's not beyond possibility. Just talking. I don't care if he's black or orange. I just believe him. That's what I'm thinking, but I, and I know I'll be happy to be there. There's no sickness and disease there. You know, in the millennium, there won't be sickness and disease because the one who was causing it, the devil, will be incarcerated for a thousand years, so there's nobody to cause it. When the devil's eliminated from contact with human beings, there wouldn't be no sickness and disease. I'm just bringing some truth home to you if you're listening. But he does say, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Even back in the Old Testament, he was still the Lord that healeth them, even though... For the most part, they were in somewhat disobedience because of Adam's sin originally. Hallelujah. But you know, I don't know how many plagues it was, nine or ten or something, that God permitted to come on the Egyptians because they were harassing his people. And really, he didn't put anything on anybody, but he took his hand of protection off the Egyptians. And the natural procedure with that, you're going to be attacked by the devil. When he takes his hand off of you if for any reason, if that would be the case, then the devil's going to step in and accommodate. You know why? Because he hates us. You know why? Because he hates God. And he thought he was going to become God. And I'm going to cause a, a revolt. I'm going to cause a coup in heaven. And when he's dead, he got thrown out. That's what God thinks of coups and rebellion. Sure does. And so we can see that says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Jesus is our healer. The Father is our healer. The Holy Spirit is our healer. Let me talk, let me read some other translations of this one verse. I, the Lord, am your healer. Here's the lesser comment. Now, lesser, he wrote a uh, he wrote a trans, translated the Old Testament particularly. He was a Hebrew scholar and major. I have his Bible says, I, the Lord, am thy physician. See, he's our doctor, we might say. I'm not putting down regular doctors. If you need them, go. Are you listening? Yeah. I just went and had my toe worked on again because it was bothering me severely. And they worked on it again. Anyway, I am the Lord, your healer. And then the basic Bible says, I am the Lord, your life giver. Young says, I, Jehovah, am healing thee. That's the same guy that wrote Bible hints to interpretation where he says they put these in the wrong tenses. See, the English doesn't have as many tenses as the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, these when it's translated, I did this or I did that, that looks like God did that. You know, Isaiah 45, I'll talk about that later. says, I, the Lord, create evil. Now, you, just, it just, you don't even have to be real spiritual. Just think about that a minute. So God's running all the striptease joints in this place and the porn shops, and I don't think so. Or the unlawful bankers or the uh, corrupt lawyers or the insurance people. No offense if you work for an insurance people, just talk to you, that are not doing what they should do correctly. I'm just talking to you. See, God's not involved in unethical practices. 
that he says, I create that. If he creates darkness and light, then he's schizophrenic. I don't want to follow him for that reason. See, use your brain. God didn't create darkness. He created light. He is light. He don't have no darkness. But what happened is Satan, who was created as a, an anointed cherub of that class of an angel, he was anointed by God, and he was good until iniquity was found in him. He started thinking he's just he's prettier than God. He's more handsome than God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a revolt going here. That's exactly what happens because he's full of wisdom and he's full of himself, full of arrogance and pride. And I'm all that in a bag of chips, two bags of chips. And he tried to take over the throne. He got thrown out. Jesus said, I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Now, he still has control somewhat over the heavenlies, but not in our life. Because we're not under his authority now. We've been delivered from the authority of darkness. So God is light, but when you read those passages, it throws people for a loop. It says that God does this and God does that. But you just have to think common sense would tell you God is not creating evil. What kind of father is that? I mean, we put people in jail for harassing their children, putting them in a dog cage, and all kinds of weird, strange stuff. I know there's children in here today. I'm just talking about unusual things that people do. We persecute them, prosecute them, and put them in prison for that, and rightfully so. And I've got some other ideas if you want to listen. But anyway, I'll let that go. <laughs> but uh, anyway, God is a good God. And see, in the Old Testament, he didn't let himself be really revealed as much as he is in the New Testament. We have a New Testament, we, and over in the New Testament, we see every particular case of healing that the devil is always the one who brought it, and he's the culprit. You know, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing, doing good and healing, doing good and healing, and and he healed all those that were oppressed of the devil. So the devil's the oppressor with sickness and disease. Either sick in people's minds, which is prevalent today much more than when I started in this, and, and prevalent in people's bodies. So let, let me move on here. He says in the Good Speed translation, he says, I, the Lord, make you immune to diseases. Immune means you're, you're immunized from disease, marked by protection, not susceptible or responsible to, or having a high degree of resistance to. That's what immunity means. I mean, they're trying to, you know, this thing about the Ebola or whatever that's called, Ebola. You know, it's just uh, people are wild. And I mean rightfully so in the natural, but then we're not walking in the natural. Some of you have heard of John G. Lake. He was a uh, he, he he was a tremendous healer that lived. I think he died in the 1940s. I'm not sure about that exactly, but he was pretty young, 65. But my gosh, what a healing ministry he had! Uh, he was in Africa for many years, ministering there, healing to the sick. And then he was so profound that the spiritist people, the demonic people, asked him to come speak at one of their conventions. He said, I'll come if you give me two hours straight to talk about Jesus. And he went. What a man. Uh, a friend of mine, Aaron Cole, who's in Guadalajara, Mexico, is where he lives. He went to Christ for the Nations back in the 70s. 
And Frida Lindsay, who was over that school for many, many years, she just died just maybe within the last six or eight, ten months. She was 93. She told Aaron, she said, and the students at the Bible school, I never was around a man that walked in such dominion. When he stepped in a room where you were at, you felt dominion step in, even if he wasn't talking. He just carried dominion on him. I mean, he was ruthless on the devil. And so, and I think he had some uh, medical training too, but the bubonic plague hit South Africa, and he was down there helping care for the patients. And when they died, they had this floth stuff come out of their nose. It was full of germs. And uh, they sent a boat from England over with medical doctors, nurses, and medicines. And, and they looked at him. He didn't have any gloves on. He didn't have a mask on. They said, what kind of protection are you using to work with these sick patients, sick and dying? He said, none. I'm, I'm using the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They said, oh, come on. He said, okay. He took a little microscope plate, scraped some of that off of that person that just died, laid it up on the microscope and said, look for yourself. And there, there was germs wiggling around and teeming in microscope. said, hand that back to me. And came closed his hand, put it back on there. And they were all dead. They'd never seen anything like that. Probably thought he was a nut, but he was a healthy nut. The bubonic plague, you know, that's pretty serious stuff. And I think, I don't know how many thousands of thousands they buried, you know, worldwide when that ha- happened and hit. And maybe it hit in a couple other times. I don't know. But anyway, see, you know, when you're walking in dominion, and he knew these two chieftains, and they got in a big argument, and the one chieftain said, I'm going to burn you up at 1.30 on Sunday afternoon. And so John Lake knew the one that was going to be burned up, he says. And he said, we were on horseback riding out in the in Africa on horseback, and he began to turn red. And he said, I, being a medical man, I could tell he was having a stroke or going to have one. He finally fell off his horse. And John G. Lake said, I just wanted to see if the other guy could do that. And he rebuked it, and the stuff stopped immediately, and the man recovered. So he understood demonic power, too, but he had authority over it. See what I'm saying? Praise God. He went to some place up in Oregon or Washington State, and when he was alive, and he had people in healing rooms, they had healing rooms. He trained personnel that would go in with cases that were... Uh, no, had no answers for them. They were going to die if they didn't get some help. And he would take patients in, and he'd give his technicians a room to work on them, and they would read scriptures, and they would pray together, and many, 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 many of them got healed. I think in five years he had 100,000 documented healings. He gave him the key to the city and said, this is the healthiest city in America since you've been here. He just walked in dominion. And he taught the people under him to have dominion, and they went in and did that. Are you listening? You know, Smith Wigglesworth was another one. Just had tremendous power available. And, you know, we look at these guys like they're out of the ordinary. Well, they were by the by the dimension of other preachers maybe they were compared to, but they had giftings and callings in them, or they just developed themselves in things of God where they could deal with stuff. And so this one... Uh, this one family had a sick aunt or something. She was staying with them up in the bed, couldn't hardly walk. 
feverish all the time. Da, da, da. They wrote Smith Wigglesworth and asked him to pray over a prayer cloth, which he did, and sent it to them. And when it came in the mail, they ripped the uh, envelope open and put the cloth by the lady that was sick by her head, and they went to get the rest of the family members and then to come back upstairs and pray for her. They all got downstairs, and they heard they heard this running upstairs and screaming. And they said, surely it can't be Aunt so-and-so. She's sick. And she came flying down the steps, gown and all, praising God. Hey, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. What happened? Well, she said, well, when you left, and something came out of that cloth and went in the side of my head with like warm glow, and it went in and came down my chest and down my body and out my toes. When that happened, I was totally healed. Yeah. We're just talking about some regular things that happened when people knew how to pray in faith and release that anointing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, we're talking about healing from, from sickness and disease. I'm just about done. I'm not getting very far today, don't look like. If it's God's will for you to be sick, and people say, you know, it's God's will for me, then we should not seek to be healed or go to a doctor or take medicine to get out of his will. That's just real simple if people were serious. If it's not God's will to heal you, then we shouldn't be going to the doctors to, to uh, you know, destroy God's will. Yeah. Jesus even said uh, in Matthew 9 and 12, let's look at that a minute, Matthew 9 and 12 here. About, we're talking about sickness and disease and um, the fact that if it's God's will for us to be sick, then we should not seek to be healed or go to a doctor or take medicine or, or to get out of his will. Matthew 9 and 12 says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So he even said you need a physician if you're sick, but if you're whole, you wouldn't need a physician because you're whole. You're well. Amen. Hallelujah. I was having lunch with a family member a while back, and she looked at me and said, Well, Michael, it's not a sin to go to the doctor. I don't know where that came from. I said, Well, funny ideas in their head, even family members, about what we're really teaching. And the same woman 15 years ago had cancer, and I prayed for her, and God healed her. <laughs> so, I didn't force her to receive either. Yeah, my brother was there uh, the night before. I prayed for my mom. I was going to try to get us all involved in it. He's a pastor, too, but he got to arguing with me in my living room of my mom's house. And he brought up Job and Paul's thorn, but then he wouldn't let me explain it. He was hot mad. And you know, just, just so you can see my teeth, I started getting stirred up too. 
And then the Lord spoke to me and said, you just need to drop this right now and wait till they're leaving tomorrow, my brother and sister-in-law, and just talk to your mom privately. And if she wants it, fine. If she don't, fine. I said, that's a great idea. So I didn't say anything. I said, well, let's just drop it. I'm not going to argue with you. But he didn't want an explanation for Paul's thorn or Job. He didn't let me talk. He was hot mad. Now, you just think, you know, the son of your mother think he'd want to know what I knew or knew or at least try to get in agreement with me at some level to minister to his mother. I wasn't against her going to the doctor or having surgery either. But I, I was just telling her, Mom, you don't have to have this in your system. I could pray for you. God will destroy that cancer and make you well in that area. She looked at me kind of, well, go ahead, lay hands on me then, Michael. And I went across the living room, laid hands on her, and God healed her. And she said other things that hadn't been the case. But in that one case there, she allowed me to lay hands on her, and God healed her. Hallelujah. Now, it's not my job to make people receive anything. That's between them and the Lord. But the smart ones would learn to listen to some of us that could explain some things. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about healing here, and healing being God's will. Now, I'm just about out of time here. Uh, Let's, let's go over here to Matthew 8. We were at Matthew 9. Just back up a passage and go here to Matthew 8. And let me find my reference, 16 and 17. We'll stop with that today. When the evening was come, Matthew 8, 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, many that were possessed with devils, and we could say had a demon. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He's quoting from Isaiah, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Notice that Jesus took them. You know, we need to identify with what Jesus has done. He took our infirmities or our weaknesses or our pains, it could be translated either way, and bore our sicknesses. In the Greek, it indicates he bore it away from us. He took it away. Say, He took it away. Now, as you're thinking about that and meditating on that, make that a daily practice to meditate on that passage and let that begin to get in you and work in you so that, you know, when you do need healing, even this morning, if you want, I'll pray for you. I can minister to you. And God will heal you because He already took it. It's not that we're trying to bend His arm to make Him respond to you, He loves you already. He cares about you already. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be normal. Praise God. Whether you need the devil cast out or you just need to be have hands laid on you, whatever the need may be. Hallelujah. And one little final thought for today, and that is that, you know, not every healing is instant. Even in the ministry of Jesus, it says several times, he went, these lepers called to him from afar, and, and began to say, you know, we're help us, have mercy on us, O Lord. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And that was a little ways away. They had to go to show themselves to the priest at the temple. And it says, as they went, they were healed. And another passage, I think, in uh, that, the other passage in John 4 there, I think it's John 4, where the man came on behalf of his son who's at the point of death and asked Jesus, please come heal my son. And he said, as you believe, so it be done unto you. 
and he said that your son will live, and he started back home that moment. And when he got close to home, which was a little time lapse, he said your son began to amend the day before at such and such a time, and he remembered that was the time that Jesus said your son will live and not die. He noticed he wasn't fully recovered, but he began to amend. Maybe he had a high fever and took all of his strength out of him. Sometimes you have to recoup. Now, sometimes it wasn't that way. With the leper, Jesus ministered to the leper. In Mark 1, he had compassion, reached out his hand. The leper didn't know if God would do it. He knew he could. He said, I don't know if you will. And he said, I will. And one translation says, I will it with all my heart. Jesus speaking to him. I will it with all my heart. Be healed. And immediately the leprosy departed. Immediately. And there's times when you get things come away from people immediately. But sometimes, even if it does come away immediately, there is a process to restoring your body back. I remember I went to pray for Tawana Phelps. She was a member of our church for many years, her and Ronnie, her husband. And uh, she was at Suburban Hospital out by the zoo. I think that's the right hospital. If it's not, just forgive me. It's a hospital out by the zoo in Louisville. And I went to pray for her. And, and uh, you know, uh, they, I stopped at the nurse's station. They said, you know, this lady's dying. She don't have much longer to live. And I walked in the room, and when I did, Tawana told me later, not then, she said, this big angel came in right behind me. <laughs> He's a lot taller than me. And she said, when I laid hands on her and rebuked that death and commanded her body to respond, he laid hands on her too. That's what she told me. I didn't see him. And I noticed all the machinery began to light back up. You know, her kidneys were shutting down, your bowel shut down. You know, it all shuts down if you're dead. You do know that, okay. If you leave, everything shuts down. And, but those things were in process of shutting down, and immediately those machines began to come alive, beepers and all that, and the nurse ran in, you know. Yeah, and she lived. I don't think she got out five minutes later, but she got out maybe the next day, but she, her body had to recoup. I prayed for a little boy at Coast Airs one time and had spinal meningitis. And the same way with him. He began to amend when I prayed for him, but he really took him a little while to get out of that hospital a few more days because his body was all shutting down like hers. He was further progressed than her, though. And so, you know, he said his bowels and kidneys were shutting down and everything. He thought I was a doctor and started crying. His daddy was with me, and his dad said, no, this is Pastor Jacobs. He's going to lay hands on your son, and you're going to get well. Same thing with Brandon. D.L. Brandon Thompson, Pastor Randy's oldest son-in-law. Yeah, married to Tiffany. I went to pray for him. God spoke to me. You know, sometimes he speaks to me like that. But, you know, I was going to just pray for him here when I got word he was in a bad way. He had pancreatitis, but it was so serious it poisoned his system, and he was really suffering and, uh, I guess, dying, he said, told me later. He said, when I walked in, me and Sean, big angel walked in behind us, a big light appeared over us, and, and we ministered to him, and he got out in a few days. Yeah, immediately his body turned around and began to be normal. Praise God. Hallelujah for the power of 